1: Back at it on a Tuesday, BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. And a real reminder for you that BetQL five-star weekend is hosted by WFAN Sean Morash and Pat Boyle is your go-to for wagertainment insights. You can use BetQL star rating system. They break down the top bets of the day and week ahead with their experience and wit. Morash and Boyle make sports betting accessible and entertaining. Gotta have that. Tune in for informed analysis and predictions to elevate your betting game. It's BetQL five-star weekend and airs from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern. Good stuff, good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, my guy Danny Vitti from the Wake and Rake podcast. And you don't understand, Danny, how much I struggle to say wake and rake. Because I want to say wake and bake. So <laughs> so maybe you've exposed me a little bit here, but Danny, uh All Things Baseball, 38 days till opening day. Thursday, we've got spring training when the Dodgers and the Padres get at it in the desert. And I guess my first question for you, my friend, is we just talked about the AL East. I love the Red Sox as a win total bet. I think the Yankees bounce back. What are you looking at in the AL East in terms of of putting a little, sprinkling a little cash on?
2: When total wise, I agree that the Red Sox are probably the better value. Uh, I, I think the Yankees could go a number, uh, of different ways here. So as, as I kind of yeah. look at the, the over-unders because there's so many X factors for the Yankees this year, starting with Carlos Rodon, I think their rotation is very sound as long as they can stay healthy. Garrett Cole touched on this. He was asked about what's really been one of the bigger hiccups for the Yankees these past couple of years. And it's been injuries, health. And Garrett Cole said, if this if this team can just stay healthy, they're going to be fine. And, and I I back that statement. But we just haven't seen it. And we saw uh, Giancarlo Stanton show up to spring training. And he looks like he's in incredible shape this year. But we've kind of been fooled by this same thing before. It's that season where everybody is in the best shape of their life right now. So you look at the regular season over under win totals, depending on what you're looking at. Uh, The one I have in front of me is 93.5 for the Yankees. With the American League East division uh, being what it is and being so competitive and being really five teams deep, uh, I personally believe it's going to be a two-team battle to the finish between the Yankees and the Orioles. Um, I personally think the Yankees, if they can stay healthy, are going to surpass that 93.5 number very easily. But the real big question for the Yankees is going to be: just can they stay healthy? I think the number is low if they're healthy, but I think if they, the, the injuries start to mount up, Aaron Judge goes on the IL for a month, that ninety-three and a half could be a little bit of a struggle.
3: Danny, let's stay in the in the uh, AL East a little bit. You know, the Baltimore Orioles obviously suffered some injuries to their pitching staff. How do you see them handling that? You know, going forward, do you think they're still in play to make a free agent? Do you think they lean on their farm system, and do you think if they do choose to just lean on their farm system, do you think that's going to be enough?
2: Yeah, I, I would slam the over on the, the number I'm looking at is 90 and a half for the for the Orioles this mm-hmm. year. Um, the Orioles had the best record in the American League last year for some reason because they lost in the first round of the playoffs last year. I kind of think that the uh, whoever made the uh, or the uh, the odds and the and the win totals are kind of, I don't know, non-believers this year. But you have the Orioles who had 100 wins last year, and then they went and picked up uh, the 2021 National League Cy Young and Corbin Burns. And by the way, what the Orioles are known for is a young core that didn't have a whole lot of experience. Well, this team just got all the experience they could have had last year. Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, uh, they're going to have team control of all of this this young core for the next three, four years at, at, at bare minimum. Um, and Not to mention, they had the number one farm system in baseball going into 2024, according to MLB.com and Baseball America. And they had the number one overall prospect in Major League Baseball and Jackson Holiday. And they had this new ownership, which is interesting, too, because less than 48 hours after the new ownership, uh, the sell of the team became uh, or was announced, they went out and got Corbin Burns. So. If this new ownership group wants to continue to make moves and try and create a little bit of more, uh, more momentum as they start to take over here, why not make more moves and try and go out and, and put it all out on the line? So I wouldn't be surprised if Baltimore is a little bit more aggressive come trade deadline time and on the trade market if they're in the thick of things.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think they're, that division is going to be very interesting to see. I think you're right. I think it's the Yankees and Orioles. I think Tampa, unfortunately, just got too much to, to overcome in terms of injury wise. Blue Jays are, again, I've always said they're kind of like that toxic, you know, X that, that you, you think, well, maybe they've changed. And then at the end of the day, they're 88 and 78, and you're, and you're 88 and 74. And like, what did I do? What did I hang out a whole year with this person for? All right. Let's, let's, let's talk about the champs, the Rangers. Um, you know, kind of quiet. You know, usually that's what happens when a team wins wins it all. And a lot of people trying to either take from them or or not give them anything else. Bruce Boach, he's cementing a Hall of Fame career. I mean, talk about a team that got hot at the absolute right time and just blazed through everybody. What's the AL West look like for you? Is is it the Astros? Is it the Rangers? Is there going to be a hangover in Texas after that World Series run?
2: I personally really like the Astros this year just because of what their bullpen is right now. But the Astros were able to do do this offseason. It wasn't super splashy, but they were able to sign Josh Hader, who has arguably arguably been the best regular season closer um, of this era, the last like five or six years since he came up with the Brewers. And then they also already have Ryan Presley, who has been, unarguably in my opinion, uh, the best postseason closer in all of baseball the, the amount of experience and in innings that he has accrued over this american league reign that the astros have done over the past few years uh he hasn't blown us i think he's blown one save in I don't know, five years as the the houston astros closer in the postseason and then put that uh together with Abreu, who was one of the better setup pitchers in, in uh in baseball last year so you have Abreu, presley and Hater in that 7-8-9, and then you have a rotation with Verlander, uh, Christian Javier, uh, uh, just a number of guys that all they have to do is get through five, six innings, put it to that bridge, put it to that bullpen. That's going to be really tough uh, tough to beat right there. Now, I say that while knowing that the Texas Rangers are the, are the ones that got hot last year, not to mention Evan Carter hitting a three-hole for the Rangers last year all throughout the postseason and was one of their most valuable hitters in the postseason. He's going to be 22, 23 years old this year. And so he's going to be, by the way, he's going to be qualifying for the American League Rookie of the Year, which is very similar to how Randy Arozarena did it back in 2020. He had this monster mm-hmm. postseason with the Rays, and he ended up winning American League Championship Series MVP and had one of one of the more historic American League postseasons that we've seen. And then Arozarena came back the next year and won Rookie of the Year. Uh, Everett Carter is going to have that same opportunity this year. But – the loss uh, for the Rangers, and I say loss because we don't know what's going to happen to Jordan Montgomery yet. He is arguably him and Ivaldi; e- he's their ace. Now they're going to have reinforcements coming. Injury wise, they're going to hopefully have Jacob deGrom coming back mid mid season. Uh, Tyler Malley should be coming back midseason, And Max Scherzer we will have to see what happens with his back injury. But the Rangers are a very, very sound baseball team. But I think it's going to be more so the second half that they start to catch fire a little bit because of the injuries to their starting rotation.
3: Much like the Astros, um, in the NL East, another team that really just worked on internally, didn't make a big splash out in the market, was the Philadelphia Phillies. They took care of Aaron Noah. Now they're looking to you know lock up uh, Zach Wheeler. They did sign Whit Merrifield, nice utility player. What do you see from the Phillies this year? Do you think they can contend with Atlanta? Or is it just a situation of where, hey, their best shot to overtake Atlanta might be in the postseason when you shorten the rotations and depth isn't as much of an issue?
2: I love the Phillies this year. I love the betting odds for the Phillies. If I'm a betting man, I'm putting some money on depending on where you're looking at to win the World Series, Phillies at plus fifteen hundred. From what I'm seeing,
1: mm-hmm. like
2: the Phillies were the best team in baseball last year. But tw- before they got thrown out of the playoffs, surprisingly, by the Arizona Diamondbacks, coming into that NLCS, there was not a soul that would have made the argument that they were going to lose to the Arizona. Unless you live in Phoenix, there was not a soul that would have made the argument that they were going to lose. The <laughs> and even then, <laughs> and even then. <yeah. laughs> There weren't many <laughs> people in Phoenix thinking that, that's for sure. And so the Phillies were by far the most talented team and the hottest team going into the postseason. This is a team that is built for a postseason. So whatever you do with regular season win totals with the Phillies, I'll leave that up to you. For me, I'm looking at National League winner and World Series winner for the Phillies. Because this team, those hitters, that the way that that lineup is constructed and the starting rotation and the bullpen, it's built for postseason. And we saw that last year. The only thing that got in its way was this random hot team from Arizona, Corbin Carroll, and these young kids decided to put a stop to their, uh, their adventure to the world series. But um, yeah, I I love the odds for the Phillies. If I'm a betting man, I'm putting some money on Philly. If anybody on the national league.
1: Love it. Talking Danny Viti, host of the wake and rake podcast. Uh, Good. show there. Um, So Danny, I'm a Dodger fan. I live in Miami, but I, but I, but I'm born and raised in LA Dodger fan. The Dodgers are an interesting bunch. They're the elephant in the room. 103 and a half is the, the win total for them this year. I think the NL West is going to be a lot more competitive. And I think despite all the splashy moves, the Dodger bullpen scares me to death because I don't know who's going to close games. Evan Phillips is going to be your guy trying to get a, a big out in game seven somewhere. Um, where do you how do you how do you approach the Dodgers and how do you approach that division?
2: The Dodgers are kind of similar to Texas, though, in that they have the lineup, they have a good bullpen, they don't really have a closer, as you mentioned, exactly locked down, but they have dealt with a lot of injuries to the starting rotation. Now, what did they do differently than Texas? Texas, they're kind of waiting on some of their injured guys with with the Grom and Scherzer and, and Tyler Malley, whereas the Dodgers. They were able to go out and spend some money on Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Tyler Glasnow, and, and then not to mention, too, they're going to have Bobby Miller, who maybe got called up a little bit ahead of schedule last season, but he was able to get a little bit more experience under his belt as well. So th- for the Dodgers, too, they're going to ha- need to stay healthy because they have all the talent in the world. They have all the payroll in the world. Um, no matter what they want to do at the deadline, Andrew Friedman in that front office is going to get it done. Really, the only thing in the way of the Dodgers is going to be themselves. Um, I do think the Phillies match up well against the Dodgers. I still think, you know, it, it's it's anything but a guarantee that the team's going to win the World Series. I think the Dodgers have been the favorites to win the World Series. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Something like each of the last six years or something like that. And, of course, they were able to win in 2020 in that condensed shortened season. But that's the long one for them, so. They're as stacked as stacked can be. The lineup, the bullpen, uh, the starting rotation. Your concerns with the bullpen, I understand. But that's what Andrew Friedman and that that front office does so well, is they're just able to kind of put some uh, lightning in the bottle players back there. And then once trade deadline um, time comes around, then maybe they can make a move or two.
3: Danny, let's talk about the NL Cy Young, Um, Spencer Schreider, odds on favorites, Zach Wheeler, Webb underneath them as far as the odds go. Um, How do you feel that could play out? Are there any pitchers that might be a little bit of a long shot that we should have our eye on?
2: Yeah, I'm just taking a look at the odds here. Max Freed's playing for a contract here, folks. So. Max Freed Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. wanting to hit for agency. There have been rumors of the Atlanta Braves and Freed potentially looking into an extension. And we know what Atlanta does, too. What Alex Anthopoulos in that front office does is they look at a good young talent and they extend them before they ever hit for agency. Indications, at least right now, is that Max Freed wants to hit for agency. He wants that opportunity to get the best deal for himself. Max Freed at plus 1,300, one of the more talented left-handed arms in the National League. If he's playing for a contract, we've seen it before in some of these contract years, um, maybe he could you know, get hot at the right time. And, and, and if he wants a big time, we're seeing with the money that these starting pitchers are getting with Yamamoto and company. If he wants that $300 million contract, he could certainly earn something for himself this year. Another guy that's going to, be approaching for agency is Jesus Lazardo, and he's been a hot ticket on the free agent or excuse me, the uh, trade market recently as well. Maybe he's more of a value pick at plus 3,000. And then I did mention um, Bobby Miller, he's at plus 3,500. Again, I think it's a little ahead of schedule to be putting any money on him to win Cy Young, but he's a guy that sports a, a 99, 98 on average, fastball velocity, and he has a lot of protection around him. So he's likely going to accrue a lot of wins as a starting pitcher. And I know it's 2024, but there are a lot of voters <laughs> that still, for whatever reason, value starting pitcher wins.
1: Yeah, watch out, Danny. Wins is a four-letter word nowadays in MLB so when it comes to pitchers. So watch out. That's Danny Vitti. He's the host of the Wake and Rake podcast. Great stuff. Check it out with Will Middlebrooks. My friend, thanks for hanging out with us, and we got to do this again soon.
2: Yeah, anytime, guys. Happy baseball season, all right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And the, the one thing that I think the Dodgers have going for them, if, if, if you're thinking about them actually getting their trading deadline, they're probably going to get Walker Bueller back from uh, Tommy John surgery, and Clayton Kershaw will be back from his surgery. So... They are reinforcements. I still know who's going to get that last out in a big game. That's the only thing that gives me pause from the Dodgers. Pause is what we're going to do next. More stuff to get to. More college hoops. UConn, unanimous at number one. They're on the road tonight. Plenty of top 25. We'll get after it with Vaughn Dalzell of NBC Sports as he joins us for his his plays. It's Beck QL Daily presented by Bennett. You know this time of the year mark drumheller means two things to me and my wallet it means spring training is coming and march madness is afoot and we had a little bit of a taste of it last night you know good weekend and we got a big top 25 slate tonight. So let's break down a little college hoops with our buddy Vaughn Dalzell. He's a sports betting analyst for NBC Sports. You can hit him up on X at V Money Sports. Vaughn, what's up, man? How are you? Getting closer to March Madness, my brother.
0: Yeah, I'm doing well. We had a good slate last night. The last few days have been a lot of fun college basketball. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've had some conversations, particularly about Big Ten schools that where do some of these teams lie uh, when they're when we t- in terms of resume? And I feel like tonight is a big night for a couple teams all across the country. So excited to talk some games with Jens.
1: Yeah, well, well, let, well let's let's hit into that Big Ten. You know, Wisconsin uh, is, is on the floor tonight. They have slipped out of the 25, uh, top 25. They're hosting Maryland. What's, what, are you, what are you looking at at the Big Ten tonight?
0: Yeah, I was pretty shocked, to be honest, when they got the uh, the four seed in the, uh, the opening selection committee. But when you look at right. resume, they do have a great resume. Like, there's no debating that. A 16-4 start was exactly what we thought Wisconsin was capable of, but they are playing the worst basketball of the season right now. One in five in their last six games. I mean, they've been a straight fade. But luckily, in a must-win situation at home tonight, they get Maryland, who on the road has been one of the worst teams in the country when it comes to shooting the three. 29%, they turn the ball over almost 19% of the time. Those are both bottom three marks in conference play. And they've been a totally different team scoring, but I like to target first half team totals for teams on the road in conference play, especially big games like tonight. So I'm, I'm going to Maryland team total under 28 and a half. They scored 29, 24 and 25 in their last three trips to Wet Madison. The defense hasn't been the problem for the Badgers. It's been the offense. Uh, so I expect a slow tempo game from both teams here going under on the Terps' first half.
3: Vaughn, Villanova has been a tough team to figure out this year. Six and a half point favorites um, against Butler tonight. Butler off the game with Creighton. How do you see this one playing out?
0: Yeah, the, the winner of this game might be putting themselves in the tournament tonight and the other one on the bubble or the like first four out situation. So I'd probably say Butler has the edge right now since they beat Villanova. Earlier in the season, and I love win expectancy numbers because when you look at those, you can really tell if a team should have won or not. Villanova, with five minutes left in that game, had a win expectancy of 69.9%. All right, so 97% chance they were gonna win that game, and they lost in double overtime. Uh, This is a situation where they get revenge at home now against Butler. I do think they should cover the spread and win the game, but again, first half team totals have been my peanut butter and jelly this season. Uh, so I'm going under for the Bulldogs uh, at 31 and a half, which I feel like is too high because they played three straight games at home. Uh, Providence, Marquette, Cray, and those are three great opponents. So this is their first road game in two weeks. And for Villanova, they're coming off home games against Seton Hall and a road game against Georgetown. Not the worst opponents to be holding to 54 points apiece. So they played terrific defense. I expect they continue tonight in Philadelphia. So I'm going Butler first half team total under. 31. I think the Cats get the win, though.
1: Vaughn, full disclosure, as we stay in the Big East, I I am a proud and loud Creighton University alumnus. And tonight,
0: the Jays
1: in the O, hosting the number one team in the land, unanimous number one Connecticut, Mm -hmm. who just put a pounding on the number four team in the country, Marquette. Creighton at 15. I was kind of surprised when I saw the number UConn on the road laying three and a half. I thought it'd be bigger. Total 144 and a half. How do you handicap this game? Can the Jays keep it within, you know, a possession?
0: Well, I mean, this is the longest winning streak in the country. 14 straight wins for UConn. So at some point, you expect them to lose a game. And you look at the remaining schedule. After creating their back at home against Villanova and Scene Hall, then two road games at Marquette and Providence. Creighton or Marquette are probably the two games that give UConn the biggest chance of losing. So I wouldn't talk anyone off a flyer here on Creighton. I love the Blue Jays. I'm actually, Creighton and Florida were two of my sleeper teams entering this year, where I think they can make more deep March Madness runs. And I still believe that. But I'd be looking at UConn probably in the first half or a team total under on both of these teams in the first half because I think defensively, as much firepower as these two teams have, I think defensively these teams are going to come out aggressive in the first half and try and get a lead on each other. And that starts with the defensive end. But Crane's going to be a team I'll probably have some money on to go deeper in the tournament, but as tonight, I'm going to pass and enjoy this fantastic game because I think this could <laughs> be the best game on the slate.
1: I'm, I'm with you, bud. Another game I take like, I mean, a couple of cold ones and enjoy it myself, so I'm with you. <laughs> yeah.
3: Not a bad idea. Um, another game that might be a pass that I, I just wanted to talk to you because I think it's interesting. We have a Tennessee team who I feel like is like right on the cusp of you know possibly being able to get into the one of those top tiers. Um, they're laying 11.5 points against Missouri, who's been an absolute train wreck, 12 straight losses. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter if they're home. They lose by margin at home all the time. Last game was close against Old Miss. How do you see this one playing out? Is there any value on the board, any way to attack it when you have – such a good team like Tennessee, playing a a team like Missouri who just seems like it might be over for them?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, the the good thing is they play similar tempos. I mean, they both like to play slower when uh, they're capable of that. Missouri, like you said, has been a train wreck last year and the year prior. They're a pretty fun team to bet, a pretty fun team to watch. This year they have not been that whatsoever. Um, But when I looked at the numbers, because I didn't necessarily want to bet this game, but I had to do my due diligence to see if anything stands out to me. I thought Tennessee's first half team total was very telling. Uh, all the markets are moving down from 30 and a half down to thirty-seven and a half, and juicing the 37 and a halfs. Not saying Missouri is going to cover this game full spread, but might be a chance that they come out excited to get one of the top ranked teams at home. And then we have a few more home games left. Uh, so I could see Missouri giving them a lot of energy in the first half, being competitive here. But as far as full game, Missouri does not match up with Tennessee whatsoever. And when you look at the Vols, they can close games because they can knock down free throws uh, I, um, against subpar teams, which they've done this year. When they play better teams, they've kind of struggled, especially on the road. But uh, I don't have much faith in Missouri. So I'll be looking at fading Tennessee in the first half, and that's about it in this one.
1: Talking to Vaughn Dalzell from NBC Sports, betting analyst for them. Um, Baylor and BYU. Uh, big 12 action out in Provo. We saw some great Big 12 last night as Houston knocked off mm-hmm. Iowa State. Uh, and Baylor, 11th ranked against 25 BYU. And it's uh, BYU at home as the Faves laying four and a half uh, with a total of 164 and a half. So big number there. Mm-hmm. How, how do you, how do you yeah. approach that one?
0: I mean, BYU is definitely an explosive team. I love the additions to the Big 12 this year because it adds an extra flair to these teams going on the road. Like, we saw what it was like for Houston in their first road game at Iowa State, how hard it was for them to score in the first five, ten minutes. And then Iowa State goes to Houston for the first time ever, and we see them struggle. And that was my best bet last night, the first half team total under for Iowa State. I think this game will be the opposite. There will be a lot more points being scored uh, in the first <laughs> half in full game between these two. Baylor has a good defensive team, but if they can play up-tempo, they're going to choose to do that. BYU is obviously coming off a game where they had 90 against UCF and they had 83 and a loss against Oklahoma State, a game where they went on the road there for the first time. But BYU is a very, very hostile environment. Uh, So I like the Cougars in this spot. I'd be willing to go to war on them full game here. This was 2.5 or 3 when I saw it last night. Much more appealing than laying 4.5 now in a conference game at home. But uh, as you guys probably know, uh, college basketball fluctuates so much on live betting with the spreads. You may be able to get BYU at a much better price in this game. So uh, I would be keen on that, but I think BYU is the right side tonight.
3: All right. It's almost March, which means it's almost time to start paying attention to Michigan State, right? Nine-and-a-half-point favorites tonight (laughs) uh, hosting Iowa. What are your thoughts on that one?
0: Yeah, this is probably a must-win game, too. Uh for sort of another Big Ten school. Michigan State's right there with Illinois as the number two. Uh you guys probably saw Purdue lose on Sunday. That one sucked mm-hmm. entirely for someone who live bet Purdue. Uh not a game <laughs> they should have lost, but don't worry. Minnesota, they're at Minnesota next game. Ohio State 16-game losing streak, and they rush the court. As you guys know, that's an angle in sports betting. So we'll get our money back with Minnesota. But Iowa, Michigan State, man. Michigan State was a 9, eight and a half, nine point favor last night. It's moving out to 10, I saw a lot of spots. I think that they could pummel Iowa here. Michigan State has a really, really good defense at home. Uh, they've gone off to quick starts lately offensively, too, 39, 45, and 44 points in the first half against Michigan, Penn State, and Illinois. Uh, so on that three-game winning streak, there's been two games in particular I was watching. We're not going to count the Michigan game because that's a blowout. But they've averaged 1.2 points possession or 1.26. When you're playing Iowa and a team that likes running up and down the floor, that means you're probably going to be able to have your way offensively however you want. Uh, So I think Michigan State here is obviously a good bet at the 9.5 or the 10. If you have a team total odds, uh, I think the full game of about 81.5, 82.5, why is a huge number. I think that's well within play here against Iowa, who allows about 78 to 81 on average every game. So uh, take the Spartans tonight. It's another must-win game for them as they continue to build their resume to try and be a top-16 team. In the eyes of the selection committee,
1: Vaughn, one more game for me uh, out of a surprising conference this year, and that's the Mountain West. You know, they're they're thinking six teams oh. could go to to the dance yeah. uh, out of the Mountain West, and then this game has that narrative of the ranked team on the road against an unranked team, just like that Tennessee-Missouri mm-hmm. game. It's San Diego State, who of course was in the title game last year, 19th in the country going up against Utah State, and Utah State at home, laying two and a half to the Aztecs. What's what's, what's your side there?
0: Yeah, so I have two two, like tonight, and if I'm adding a third one, it would be this game. Uh, I like Utah State here, and they've lost three straight against San Diego State. I rewatched the game this morning from earlier in the season. Uh, San Diego State was hitting three-pointers, which is something they do not do very often, especially on the road. They're they're not a very good three-point shooting team in conference play. And for Utah State, that's really been their bread and butter. They're the fourth best three-point defense in the country. Uh, they're great at home as well, allowing about 29 to 30% from three. So I definitely think they'll tighten up in a lot of ways here. Utah State's also coming off a loss. And when they've been coming off a loss, they've been getting out the leads in the first half the following game. And I think that's very important here against the Aztecs. They have a very good home environment at Utah State. And for San Diego State, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they just came off, yeah, they're coming off of two home games. Uh, so this is their first road game in about 11 or 12 days. And they had an OT game on the road in their last time out. They've been a completely different team. Like Maryland, how Maryland's great at home, terrible on the road. San Diego State's been kind of the same situation this year. I believe they're two and eight against the spread, maybe two and six on the road. So I like Utah State on the money line. I think they can win this game outright. I did like San Diego State first half team total under, but the number moved off 33 and a half. So uh, I'd be leaning with the Aggies. I think it's a big game for them. And you're correct on the trend. Not as profitable as it was last year, the unranked home favorites against a a ranked road dog, Uh, but I think this one prevails today and Utah State covers and wins.
3: Let's go to a late-night game just in case the bets don't go our way. We like to have a winner in our pocket for (laughs) late at night. Uh, St. Mary's hosting San Francisco, laying six-and-a-half points. Any thoughts on side or total?
0: Got to say, this would probably be one game that I'm going to not play at all. Another game where St. Mary's. Second longest winning streak in the country at 13. They got pretty much the conference locked up there. Uh, Ran away with it, too, at that. Uh, smacking on Gonzaga, uh, which, you know, I would have higher hopes for the Bulldogs this year, and that's kind of been where I always look in that conference. So the fact that they have not been as good, I've kind of stayed away from this one in general. So uh, with that being said, I would look at fading the team with the second longest winning streak, but that would probably be a lunch money play.
1: Vaughn, before we let you go, real real quick here, Um, after last night, you see what Houston did to Iowa State. You know, UConn is in its it's its own stratosphere. Purdue, I think, is vulnerable. Are you liking Houston National Championship tournament now? Have they gotten closer to Purdue now uh, to possibly be somewhere where they could make a long run and win a national title in one minute here?
0: Well, Houston's above Purdue. They've been above Purdue the entire season. Uh, I don't think, I think it's been Purdue, or is Purdue the third or fourth best team in the country and can be considered a title championship contender? And they continue to prove to us in certain times that they can't be if they're not getting the calls down low. I think Houston and UConn are head above Hills, the two best teams in college basketball. But when you're looking at Purdue and Arizona, Tennessee, Auburn, All these teams are fantastic at home, but struggle on the road at times. So uh, I think the two best bets are clearly the Cougars and Huskies. Yeah.
1: Houston Cougars, man. They, 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 they they find a way and you know, they're the new guys. They're the new cats in the, uh, in the big 12 and they are definitely making some noise. That's Vaughn Dalzell sports betting analyst for NBC sports, hit him up at V money sports, follow him, Always good stuff. Thanks for hanging out with us, my friend. Appreciate you guys. Best of luck. Have a great day. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, one more needed playing UConn tonight. I'll tell you that as a a Creighton Blue Jay (laughs) alumni there. Listen, just because, Mark, it's never too early. NFL MVP odds. Yes. Justin Fields, new team, not following the Bears on IG. Can Lamar do it again? Who's the favorite? And what about AA Aron? You know that guy, right? We'll get into that next. It's BetQL Daily, presented by BedM. Good times aplenty here on a Tuesday. BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. We've had great conversations. Talk about the American. East, uh, talking about some college hoops, all the games. You can hit us up on the Odyssey app, hit that rewind function, get the segments that you want, get the segments that you're going to make some money on. Plenty of good bets with Mark Drumheller. I'm Jim Rodriguez. And of course, as soon as we're done, the podcast drops so you can get everything. We had a good night on the ice last night. We're going to get into that. Of course, we'll have our lightning bets coming up later in the show. And as well, Isaac Trotter will be here from 24-7 Sports as we get into more of the top 25 college hoops action tonight and looking forward uh, to the NCAA tournament. And speaking of looking forward, Mark, because my friend, the wheel never stops turning, my friend. The NFL, I don't care if it's the offseason. I don't care if the guys are in the Bahamas, Cancun, Turks and Caicos. NFL MVP odds are out over at MGM uh and the defending reigning MVP Lamar Jackson not the favorite he's at 12 to 1 give you a quick list Mahomes he's the favorite at 6 to 1 Josh Allen 8 to 1 Joe Burrow 9 to 1 CJ Stroud who doesn't follow the Texans on Instagram by the way 11 to 1 <laughs> and then there there's Lamar at 12 to 1 are you surprised by that um and uh, what are you leaning on this February day toward the NFL season
3: yeah not not super surprised I I am disappointed I should say is probably a better word I think the Stroud number is a little short at 11 to 1 I think he's a guy that's probably going to be popular to take that next leap he inserted himself into the MVP conversation you know rightfully this year uh, even though you know he just didn't have enough juice to get there in his second year I think Joe Burrow at 9-1, to one, I, I think that's always live. He has the offense to where he can put up, you know, huge numbers if, if the Bengals, if everybody stays healthy. couple interesting numbers, I think. Like Herbert, I would like a little bit better of a price, but Jim Harbaugh does come over. I don't like how things might go in the first year, so to speak. But we know Herbert does. Um, we know Harbaugh does a great job working with quarterbacks. Was able to get Alex Smith rejuvenate his career, get him into the playoffs in San Francisco before you know molding Colin Kaepernick. So I, I think Harbaugh's impact on Herbert's going to be good. I'm not sure. I love that number of fourteen to one. That's one to watch out for. Um, I, I don't know. I think this is the time of year where we really need to dig into some long shots, Jim
1: yeah well well if you know even though he was in the mvp run until lamar and the ravens snatched it from him uh brock purdy is 16 to 1 uh, jalen hurts from your neck of the woods and the eagles is 16 to 1 if if we're talking long shots how about a guy that's done it multiple times how about aaron rodgers as i mean I, i'm making that bet right now 25 to 1 to be the mvp next year why not
3: I don't know. I, I think maybe the fact that Green Bay was better without him. Maybe <laughs> that's why not, right? The Packers aren't missing him. You know, I just feel like the situation that Aaron Rodgers is in with the Jets is not one I want to bet on just because of, you know, they could tighten up the offensive line so things could be better. But he's still coming off a massive injury. And, like, my biggest challenge is, is the culture doesn't seem right. Now the players kind of turned against Salah because he stuck with Zach Wilson. Those weird vibes. You have Aaron Rodgers. You know, the, the guys that he brought in last year didn't work out, right? miko Harmon gets traded. Um, you know, Alan Lazard didn't have the season that they expected out of him. It's just that seems like to me, Jim, like a, it's just a messy situation. But those are the reasons why there's probably value at that number, 25 to 1. So why it makes sense, it's not something I'm going to be looking at. Let's go deep. Let's go long shots. For a long – part of the year many people are wondering if Tyreek Hill could eclipse 2,000 yards right and win the MVP in a year where people weren't sure if there was a statistical profile at the quarterback position that was worthy of the MVP Tyreek Hill 25 to 1 we don't think the Miami offense is going to get worse right they have to improve the offensive line if they do that it comes back If they're a full year of being healthy Tyreek Hill could be a guy you could look at at 25 to 1 and I have one for you, Jim, that I think is is definitely a long shot, but I think it's interesting. If we go to the first month of the season and we're talking about AFC South quarterbacks, we were not talking about C.J. Stroud. We were talking about mm-hmm. Anthony Richardson until he went down with an injury. Ooh. He sits at the board at 35-1. to He's going to be going into his second year into a Shane Steichen offense. We know what Shane Steichen did in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. He won a bunch of games, almost made the playoffs with Gardner Minshew. And I'm not a big Minshew guy, but that that itself <laughs> probably should have earned him some coach of the year votes, just winning some games with Minshew. Anthony Richardson sitting there 35 to 1. I think that's a pretty decent number. He's the type of guy that's going to have the highlight, real type plays to get him into the conversation. Can the Colts win enough games? To, to for for it to matter that's really the key usually it goes to a team that really you know wins a ton of games um if it's the quarterback can the colts make that kind of leap in year 2
1: well i think a guy that was actually in the conversation you know and he's a teammate of purdy you talk about a long shot that i don't think is that crazy the only problem is he's not a quarterback is christian mccaffrey cmc 100 to 1 mm-hmm. Right now at BetMGM yeah. to be the MVP, I mean, there's a guy that could do it. Now, granted, it's a quarterback award. That's unfortunately they should just say, "Listen, we're going to make offensive player of the year for everybody who's not a quarterback, and then the MVP will be the quarterback because they always seem to win it." But a hundred to one for Christian McCaffrey, I'll take a little flyer on. I that. like
3: it. I absolutely mm-hmm. like it, Jim. And and something that betters need to take into consideration when they're looking at the MVP award, you know, next year. Scoring has continued to go down, you know, the past couple years in the NFL. And it's to a point to where, you know, we saw all these games with totals in the 30s uh, this season. And it was to the point to where we felt like there this could be a year where a quarterback doesn't win MVP because they, they, they don't have the huge stats that we're we're accustomed to. So I think as we look forward in the next year, I think those types of long shots, your Tyree kills, your Christian McCaffrey's, your players that aren't quarterbacks, the non-quarterbacks, there's probably value with those numbers because if scoring continues to go down, if offenses don't adjust and it goes down even further next year, I think it's going to be harder and harder to make cases for these quarterbacks, which opens it up for running backs and wide receivers. Um, Trying to think off the top of my head, like outside of Hill, maybe jamar chase like some of the non quarterback positional players that could actually win this award
0: right
1: right yeah it's it's unfortunately it's become such a such a quarterback heavy award that you almost and 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 on the defensive side i mean good luck coming up with a defensive player that could snatch that award yeah. from a from a quarterback as well all right here's a here here's a crazy one what about caleb williams he's a hundred and never taken a snap in the nfl mark 150 to one to be the mvp i mean cj stroud in year two was already shot up to 11 to one caleb comes in hey maybe 150 to one i mean i think you're better off with cmc if you're going to throw some money out there but caleb williams would be interesting at 150 to one if he ends up with the bear well, here's the
3: Here's the funny thing, Jim, is my initial reaction was, you know, I can't put my money on a rookie to win MVP, right? Cuz it's just so hard making that leap from college football, you know, to the NFL. But last year we saw it. People were talking about CJ Stroud as if he was the MVP of the league as he should have been the, you know, should he you know, gotten more consideration. So maybe we're seeing things kind of open up to where these rookies have a better chance and nobody, you know, better in better position to capitalize on that. than I think Caleb Williams, right? Like he's the guy with the highest ceiling coming out at the quarterback position. Um, He's going to go to the bears. So, uh, you know, offensively, you know, they're going through some changes. They're trying to be a little bit more dynamic on offense, but having guys like DJ Moore there, it definitely helps. So, uh, I a hundred to one. I mean, I, I've probably made worse bets, but I could. if there's going to be a rookie that's going to win it, it's going to be Caleb Williams. And I think we can no longer, you know, just bet against these historical thresholds, right? Like, you know, Oh, the quarterback has to get, you know, this statistical profile or it has to be a quarterback. It can't be a running back or a wide receiver because unless scoring goes up, unless the offenses figure out a counter punch for what the defense has been doing to limit explosive plays, I think it levels the playing field between the quarterbacks and everybody else and closes the gap between the rookies and the veterans out there.
1: Yeah. And I think the fact that now the running back position, and I'm referring more to CMC, the, the running back position isn't just exclusively a running back. Like the Derrick Henrys of the world, those are kind of a, those are, that's that's going to be a dinosaur in the league in a year or two. It's these hybrid guys who can, you know, kind of like a Debo Samuel who who can and a CMC who can not only run the ball, but they can catch the ball. And 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 they can do either or and then they rack up those touchdowns. They rack up those yards, both receiving and uh running as well. And and to tell you how crazy and how quarterback leaning this MVP award is, the fact that Bryce Young and CMC have the same odds. To be MVP next year, they're both hundred to one. And right. how far from a from a good player Bryce Young was, you know, who looked lost out there in the NFL. It, it, it's crazy. One last one I want to hit you up here, and a guy who you know could be in, in a new place, Justin Fields. I've always said a motivated athlete is a dangerous athlete. Fifty to one to win the MVP. New system. If he ends up in uh, Pittsburgh, I think he's got more of a shot. If he ends, if he does it in Atlanta, what about Justin Fields at fifty to one?
3: Yeah. I, I don't know if I like that one as much. You know, I, I just feel like, is he going to go into a dynamic enough offense, you know, to, where is is he going to be able to win a game, win the games? When I look at the odds board right in the, in that range, Jim, I, I think, you know, I, I'm starting to like Jared Goff more and more. Like he took a massive mm-hmm. step this year, Detroit defense. He plays indoors. He gets Ben Johnson back another year in that system. Uh, it, it's, it's a little bit harder playing with the target on your back, right? So the Lions, you know, are going to have their work cut out from a scheduling perspective. But if I'm looking in that range, like the 40 to 1, the 50 to 1, you know, you have guys like Kirk Cousins, you have guys like Justin Fields. I think even though Justin Fields probably a more dynamic offensive weapon, I think Jared Goff might be in better position to put up those high-end statistics that could matter.
1: I love it. And Josh Allen, we're still waiting, buddy. Your second best odds, eight to one. <laughs> the great pumpkin. <laughs> still waiting. Still waiting. Who's, who's also waiting? Isaac Trotter. He's up next from 24 7 Sports. We'll talk college hoops, big slate of top 25. It's BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM.